Roberta Laundrie, I just figured out your dirty little secret. Even though it's full of symbolism, it's not what's in the letter. It's how you crafted it and what you made sure to keep out. And I'm going to expose it in today's video. So now, let's get into it. In July of 2021, a young 22-year-old woman named Gabby Petito was plastered all over the news after a call was placed to the authorities. Her family hadn't heard from her and were growing concerned. It wasn't like Gabby at all. And Gabby and her boyfriend Brian Laundrie had been on an adventurous van trip across the United States, visiting popular parks and landmarks while chronicling their time with pictures and video and even starting a YouTube channel. Gabby and Brian were up for the adventure, but as time went on, there was a very different story going on, one that was the polar opposite of what was portrayed of smiles, laughter, and fun. Gabby was not only abused by Brian, but she was ultimately killed by him and left in the woods in Wyoming. Brian not only left her lifeless body there, but he stole Gabby's van and drove it across the country. And according to documents, he used someone's card to fill the van up with fuel and ran home to mommy and daddy. It's a 35 hour drive back home to Florida. Now Brian stayed silent though while he was home. He kept his deep dark secret hidden. He wouldn't return calls to Gabby's beyond worried parents. And Brian's parents kept everything hush hush. They had to have wondered though, where's Gabby? Where is she without Brian? Why was her van back and she wasn't? Why was Gabby's parents calling and calling? But the better question at the time was, why aren't the laundries answering or calling back? In fact, Roberta blocked Gabby's mom, Nicole, from the phone and also from Facebook. Gabby's family was worried sick and Gabby's story was spreading like wildfire. Where was Gabby? Why wouldn't anyone talk to them from Brian's side? What the F is going on? Gabby was eventually found, and I guess you could call it divine intervention, because her van was found by YouTubers who just happened to capture Gabby's van on their dash cam video while driving by fluke or accident. They heard the news, went to check their footage, and boom, van found, and Gabby was found shortly after. Gabby's cause of death was said that she was throttled, meaning she was choked by someone's own two hands and was choked to death. She also had um, injury to her head. Now weeks went by and more and more people got involved in trying to find her. The FBI got involved, people showed up at the laundry's lawn, shouting, screaming, chanting, where is Gabby? Then one day, Brian decided to go hiking close to his home at a place called Mayakahatchee Creek Environment Park, only four miles from his parents' house. But his hike wasn't a hike at all. He ended up choosing to leave this earth. I can't say the official word here on YouTube, but Brian left a notebook with his thoughts and his admission of killing Gabby, even though the contents of his letter was a load of BS in my opinion, especially in his description of what he said happened to Gabby. You can see that video that I did below or at the end of this video. So he wrote a letter asking at the end of the letter to make sure to clean up after him as Gabby hated littering, even though he left her body like she was garbage, littering. What was also damning was Brian's mom, Roberta Laundrie, who wrote a letter to Brian entitled, Burn After Reading. It was found and not burned, and Gabby's family fought to have it made public while Brian's parents fought to keep it silent. But a judge recently decided to side with Gabby's family and the letter was released. 
Brian's mom, Roberta, stated that this wasn't what it looked like, that she wrote the letter before the couple went on their trip, not after. But the contents in this letter are pretty darn damning for Roberta, and based on the topics in the letter plus the symbolism, she's a big old liar. And now let's get into those details of what's missing, connecting the dots, and show how it leads to something far more dark and sinister than a mom just professing her love for her son. Let's get into the note. According to a statement made last year by the Laundry's lawyer, Steve Bertolino, regarding Roberta's letter, he said, the letter in question was written prior to Brian and Gabby leaving Florida and has nothing to do with this case. Attorney Riley is trying to further sensationalize this tragedy to bolster his case by taking unrelated comments out of context. He stated that he had the letter, but said its contents are personal between a mother and son. They sure are. The prosecution has a very different view. The Petito's attorney stated, it is no surprise that Mr. Bertolino is suggesting that the undated letter was written prior to Brian Laundrie's return to Utah. Not sure if that's wrong or not, because I don't know he's talking about Utah, it was Wyoming. It will be up to a jury to determine when it was actually penned. Now, Roberta made an official statement, which is interesting, and said, I truly loved my son and simply wanted to convey to him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. I am sure people use phrases all the time to express to their loved ones the depths of their love. Although I chose words that I thought would be impactful, that's important, with Brian given our relationship, the letter was in no way related to Gabby. I ask that you read it in its entirety and understand that the letter contains other phrases besides those highlighted by Pat Riley for sensationalism and to bolster his case. Oh, I read it. Now there is a bit of confusion as to where this letter was actually found. There's a discrepancy. According to Pat Riley, the lawyer, the letter was found in the Laundry family's home, but was taken out of the van that Brian and Gabby had been traveling the country in. We heard reports that it was in Brian's car and also that it was found in the dry bag along with Brian. But I'm sticking to what the Petito's lawyer said, that it was found in the van. Now, Steve Bertolino also made a mention of a certain instruction Roberta gave on that letter and offered an explanation for it, but I'll get to that in a moment. Notable, now Steve is also part of that lawsuit. And after reading this entire letter, it's my opinion and many others that Roberta lied about the timing of this letter and that she darn well knew that Brian killed Gabby and left her in the woods like garbage. And even if, she wrote this letter before, it still looks bad on Roberta. And of course, as I mentioned in the beginning, I found something that will not look good for Roberta, which is great. There are three parts to this letter. Number one, the letter itself, two, the instruction, and three, a drawing. And like Brian, Roberta was into symbolism like mother, like son. I've talked about this forever and ever since the beginning of this case, and I got flack for it about symbolism, but here we go. Roberta first addressed the letter to Brian using his full name, Brian Christopher Laundry. The note read on page one that she loves Brian no matter what. She said, I just want you to remember I will always love you and I know you will always love me. You are my boy. Nothing can make me stop loving you. Nothing will or could ever divide us no matter what we do or where we go or what we say. We will always love each other. Now, I'm curious about the last words of we will always love each other. It's easy to skip over this one bit, but I can't help but wonder 
Why is she reassuring him that he loves her? I wish I was a fly on that wall to hear that conversation. Maybe she told Brian to keep his mouth shut no matter what or said something and he was angry at her and they got into some sort of argument and she's reminding him of his love for her too. Next, she talks about the lengths she will go to and it's quite the lengths. She said, if you're in jail, I will bake a cake with a file in it. If you need to dispose of a body, I will bring, and that's crossed out, show up with a shovel and garbage bags. If you fly to the moon, I will be watching the skies for your re-entry. If you say you hate my guts, I'll get new guts. And it's interesting, isn't it, how the topic of jail comes up and if, you know, he just happened to need to dispose of a body. Also, when she talks about the shovel, she actually writes, I will bring, and then scratches the word bring out and instead says, I will show up with a shovel and garbage bags. To me, the word bring suggests that she'd be with him to help at that time it happened and as if doing the whole thing together, right? But the term show up, to me, makes it different, doesn't it? But then in the letter, she softens the paragraph by talking about flying to the moon. And if he hates her guts, she'll just get new ones, which is an odd statement, which makes me again curious about what kind of argument they may have had, if any. And I'm curious, what do you think about going back to her choice of words, we will always love each other? Almost like a mutual agreement of no matter if I do something bad or you do something bad, we will always love each other. And she's thinking no matter what, I just know it. What are your thoughts? Let me know below. She continues on. Remember that love is a verb, not a noun. It's not a thing. It's not words. It is actions. Watch people's actions to know if they love you, not their words. Isn't that a true statement? I want to just bring your attention first to the laundry's actions. Not just the fact that Roberta and her husband Chris never returned a phone call to Gabby's family or blocked them. Just lawyered up. And of course, Brian didn't do anything, but they just carried on life as usual until one day someone publicly actually asked Brian's dad, Chris Laundry, on the lawn, what if this was his daughter, Cassie? And that's where we saw him actually react. Now, let's go to page two. She starts page two with a quote from the Bible. Therefore, I am certain that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor the ruling spirits, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers from above, nor powers from below, nothing in the entire created world can separate our love. Neither hostile powers, nor messengers of heaven, nor monarchs of earth. Nothing has the power to separate us. She adds Roman 838 from the Bible and in brackets, with an exclamation mark, she puts extended version. Now one could just skip over this little detail, but I always say truth is in the details, but there's a reason why she put it in there. Now going back to that last line, she has three dots after nothing has the power to separate us. And she doesn't finish the line, yet calls it Romans 8.38, when in fact it's Romans 8.38 and 39. And she leaves out the words, from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Why not just put Romans 38.39? I'm gonna go back to that in a moment. But first, when you do a search for Romans 8.38 simplified, it gives some really interesting answers. It says, Paul has established that God is for all of us who are in Christ, for those who have been saved by their faith, no charge 
or accusation made against us can stand because God is provided for our justification and Christ is interceding for us. Another excerpt says, there isn't anything that we have done, should have done, or that's been done to us that can keep God from loving us. His love is constant and unstoppable. Know that the Lord is with you today and loves you beyond measure. So I got to thinking, and my question is, I wonder what term Roberta looked up so she can find this verse, the exact excerpt, because so far it's not looking good, right? But I had wondered, how did we get to this point? Why this verse? And I'm just gonna throw this in here too because I feel like being a smart ass, but if this was written beforehand, before the trip, why would Roberta tell Brian that no matter what he did or what charge or accusation was made, God will still love you, she will still love him, not to mention the shovel, the body, and oh, by the way, have fun on your vacation trip after all that, right? Perhaps one could argue, though, that there was knowledge that he would kill her if this was written beforehand. So you have two arguments, but it leads to the same thing. And one more thing, why even bother to write the words extended version? What person would care about that, right? Or does she want him to look up the extended version? And what is the extended version? So I tried to see what was after those verses, but it stops at 39. There isn't a verse 40. Huh, I thought. Well, let's just see what extended is before that. Ah, here we go. So we go the other way to 36, 37, and she did 38, 39. There's no 40. As it is written, Romans 8, 36. For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And number 37, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But now, this is nothing. Here's where it gets very interesting and something that I think she's in trouble. Remember how I said, I wonder what she searched for to get this particular Romans 8.38? Well, I did a little topic search on the Bible and it started off with things like ah, type in loyalty, you know, things like that. Then I thought, what happens when I search the term murder? And guess what popped up? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Romans 8.38. Pretty interesting, right? Let me know below. Don't forget to subscribe. Let's go back to this letter. After this excerpt, Roberta then reiterates the same idea. She says, nothing can separate us, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not threats, not even sin, not the thinkable or unthinkable can get between us. Not time, not miles and miles and miles. Like murder? Like the murder miles and miles and miles away, Roberta? 
Here's something else that's interesting that's in Brian's note he made. Excuses for Gabby. He said, please do not make this harder for them, meaning is the family, that this occurred as an unexpected tragedy. And here's where it tells me he's writing this for the public, not the family. I said this in a video. Now let's get to the instruction bit I mentioned a bit earlier about burn after reading. That was on the first page along with Brian's name. Now one can take that as an instruction, right? Just do that, burn after you read it. If so, I wonder why Brian didn't burn it. Why did he keep it? And why would Roberta write that if it was just an innocent thing? Their lawyer, Steve Bertolino, said it's just the name of a movie, which is true. It is the name of a movie. It was released in 2008 with Brad Pitt in it and George Clooney and others. The synopsis says a disc containing mysterious information from a CIA agent ends up in the hands of two unscrupulous and daft gym employees who attempt to sell it. There's another one that says the plot. The plot of Burn After Reading is overly complicated, but that's the point, just like the letter. The movie looks at how something completely pointless, and it says the worthless data stolen from Cox's computer contains a draft of his pretentious memoirs, can spiral out of control when the parties don't realize what information they have or don't have, like the letter. Do you think it was an instruction on to just burn after reading or the movie as Bertolino stated? And why do you think Brian didn't burn it? Let me know your thoughts below. Now the final part of the letter is a drawing of a bird with also the wording of remember in it. And it's fascinating. Many sources actually didn't include this pic of the bird from my research and that was part of the letter, but it's just as important and it strengthens it in the entire thing. And Roberta knew and that's a clue and it ties in. The picture is a replica of the picture on one of Brian's favorite books called Lullaby but by Chuck Palahniuk. Hopefully I said that right. It's the same author as Fight Club. He had a picture of it on his Instagram as well while they were on their trip. Now the bird on the novel's cover is upside down. The bird on Roberta's letter is right side up. But it's the same bird and that's an important detail and you'll see why in a minute. But what this book is about on Amazon it says Ever heard of a culling song? It's a lullaby sung in Africa to give a painless death to the old or infirm. The lyrics of a culling song kill whether spoken or even just thought. You can find one on page 27 of Poems and Rhymes from Around the World, an anthology that is sitting on the shelves of libraries across the country waiting to be picked up by unsuspecting readers. It goes on to say, reporter Carl Streeter discovers the song's lethal nature while researching sudden infant death syndrome. And before he knows it, he's reciting the poem to anyone who bothers him. As the body count rises, Streeter glimpses the potential catastrophe if someone truly malicious finds out about the song. The only answer is to find and destroy every copy of the book in the country. It also says, accompanied by a shady real estate agent, her Wiccan assistant and the assistant's truly annoying eco-terrorist boyfriend, Streeter begins a desperate cross-country quest to put the culling song to rest. And when you look up the culling song also, and that, it says, the, the culling song from Lullaby by Chuck Palahniuk is an indigenous chant that was incorrectly interpreted to be a lullaby and incorporated in a collection of rhymes for children. When the song is read or recited, it casts a spell that kills the listener. The story explains that the chant was supposed to be a merciful way to help an injured warrior or gravely ill individual pass away peacefully. 
But if we take it one step further, there's another interesting aspect to this. Remember the bird standing up, right? Why would she do that? Because it'd be too obvious otherwise, in my opinion, of what it is actually. And she has the word remember by it. Well, Chuck's bird isn't alive, it's dead. It's upside down on the front cover, which goes along with the theme and story of the book, which is a quest for the book with a killing lullaby. And what bird is said to be on that cover? At first I thought it was a crow or a raven, but when searching, and it makes sense, it's a mockingbird, just like the lullaby. It says the answer and explanation, the bird on the cover of Chuck's novel Lullaby is a dead mockingbird. The mockingbird represents the bird featured in the lullaby, Hush Little Baby. The reason it is dead on the cover indicates the power of the mysterious lullaby in the novel to cause death to the person who hears the song. So same bird and it's dead. And Roberta can't do that because it'll look dead so she does it in reverse. And remember, Hush Little Baby, don't say a word, Mama's gonna buy you a mockingbird. And it's a song that a mother will do whatever it takes, just like Roberta says, if you don't like my guts, I'll get you new ones. And she'd know that book was one of Brian's favorites. Are you with me? Let me know below. But I do wonder, did she trace this picture? What kind of paper was this written on? Or was it printed? Hard to tell. If you do know that answer, can you let me know below? I would be very, very grateful. Now, something really interesting happened while I was scripting this video and working on connecting the dots. I was actually working at a coffee shop the other day and I got up, put my laptop in my bag, turned, pushed my chair in, I looked up and right on the wall, I kind of stopped in my tracks because this is what I saw. How, that's weird, right? And there's apparently another note from Brian that he gave. I've said before that it was a note made for the public, his original one, and I wouldn't doubt that there was another one, and boom, according to the Petito family's attorney, there's another note. He said, there's another version. I don't have a copy of the other version yet, but I've been advised there's another version that he authored that we will be getting. And according to Riley, the alleged second confession is on a device, and to the best of his knowledge, it was typed out, and Brian's family was to delete it, just like burn after reading. So in totality, we have burn after reading, reiteration of love having no bounds, a search for a Bible search that matches with the search term for murder, just coincidentally that even if he's in jail, she'd put the file in the cake, help take care of the body, even with the unthinkable. And we have a bird, but not just any bird, the mockingbird and upside down, a dead mockingbird. It's all about death and something that should be burned as to not have anyone see. And it's full of symbolism. And not just that, but it's missing words that is now connected to the missing truth, murder. Brian was like his mom, just like the Yosemite text he made and the Stan text he made. I made videos on that, although it was controversial. You can see that below. To Roberta Laundry, I just found you out and the prosecution will be getting my findings. Please share this out if you found this valuable. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you in the next video.